Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, and thank you for joining me today on the Homestead Education. If you have listened to any of my previous episodes, you will know that I start off by sharing a little about my homestead or homeschool before jumping into the main topic. Today, I'm going to talk to you about winter preparedness before we jump into the topic of finding confidence in your passions. I know you think I'm crazy talking about winter preparedness. You're like, come on, woman, we barely are getting a taste of spring. But I'm telling you, you want to have this topic on your radar. We can have pretty rough winters up here in North Idaho, and if you aren't prepared, you're going to regret it. I know this type of weather is common for much of the United States and Canada too, but many of you are just getting started on your homestead or expanding your homestead efforts. Or you might even be seasoned homesteaders like us and are kicking yourself every year for not being as prepared as you'd like to be. I have a whole winter preparedness series that I'll link in the show notes, but I would like to give you a quick rundown on the main tasks you should probably be considering right now. The first thing I'm going to bring up is firewood. If you have a wood stove, fireplace, or boiler system, then you know all about firewood. But every year I watch everyone scramble to get seasoned firewood in the fall. Seasoned means that it's sat out all summer for the season. So when everyone is scrambling in the fall, they can't even use what they cut until later in the winter if they even have a place to store the wood that it'll dry. Or those trees have to lay on their property until the following year. And if you're cutting on public land, that's not even an option. I'm telling you, now is the time to start considering where your firewood is coming from. Do you buy from someone? Make sure you're on their list so that they can plan to meet your order. Do you cut on your own property or public land? Now's a good time to get those trees down so that they have all summer to dry before you start cutting them up for the fall. And don't cut too early in the fall, especially if you live anywhere in the West. Wildfires are no joke, people. Wait until your local fire department gives the okay to start running chainsaws. Another option that we're going to do this year is have a truckload delivered to us. This wood is often the byproducts from logging. Either the wood has imperfections where it can't be milled, or it isn't the right wood for making lumber. I wish that I could give you a few more tips on this, like on where to find loads and stuff, but we get ours from our neighbor that has a logging company. But that brings up another point of being a part of your community. That's where you can ask around or call up logging companies and often get a good deal. Remember, the average household uses between 5 to 10 cords of firewood a year. The second tip concerns feed for your livestock. We don't bring feed in until winter. Starting over. The second tip concerns feed for your livestock. We don't bring feed in for winter until late fall usually, but if you don't catch that window, we either can't get the truck down the road or as many saw this year after the scorching heat in the Pacific Northwest, there was no hay or grain to be found. The key right now is to try and put your orders in. 
I know that many of you buy by the bag because you don't have the equipment to buy by the ton or because you can't afford to buy in bulk. But if you can, start buying a surplus now or save and talk to your local feed mill about putting in a large order either by the bag or by the ton. They are often happy to be able to plan their orders, much like the firewood cutters. They have to let the farmers know that they buy from how much grain to grow so that the mills even have enough to make the feed you want to purchase. Grain is not an infinite commodity. So grain's a little hard for me to give suggestions on how much to buy because everyone has different feeding protocols. However, I know that with hay, there's a certain amount of dry matter that our horses, cows, sheep, and goats need every day. And we have to make sure that we have that amount in the barn before the snow flies. If I go off of a cow needing approximately 25 pounds a day of dry matter, and we try to have enough feed on hand from December to May, that's almost two tons of hay per cow. Currently, we have six cows on the property, so that would be 12 tons of hay needed from our supplier just for the winter months. When you're starting to look at numbers like that, it makes sense why you need to make these arrangements before your hay supplier even plants in the spring. My final suggestion for winter preparedness is to discuss... Starting over. My final suggestion of winter preparedness to discuss... Okay, one more time. My final suggestion of winter preparedness to discuss in the spring is water systems. These are important all year long and can be just as big of a deal in the winter as they are in the heat of the summer. While you're watering all your animals this year, consider how you might be able to get automated systems in place before ever, for your livestock before everything freezes. Having the water constantly running for a float system can actually even reduce your chances of freezing. Also, automated systems can save you if you have a bad storm. Okay, so one last thing that I want to mention. Now is the best thing to think about winter preparedness, because you're probably at your wit's end with everything you are frustrated with coming out of winter. So sit down and make a list now. Talk to your spouse, your kids, and anyone who helps out on your homestead when you're on vacation, and see what their frustrations are as well, and start fixing the things that you can now and over the next six months, rather than waiting until that frustration is back in front of you again at the dead of winter. Okay, that was a little longer winded than I planned, but next December, hopefully you'll be thanking me. Now, on to my main topic for today, finding confidence in your passion. I'm going to be speaking mainly to homesteaders and homeschoolers in this episode, but I think that some of these topics carry over to businesses, hobbies, and some other life choices. I will be touching a little on actually figuring out what your life passions may be, but I feel like there's a ton of information out there on that. Pretty much everyone wants to find their life passion, so that's an easy topic to write about and talk about. What I really want to bring to light is finding confidence in making that choice. The reason I think that this speaks to so many of you is that my audience, if you're already following, starting this paragraph over, the reason I think that this speaks to so many of you that are already in my office, starting over again. The reason I think that that speaks to so many of you that are already in my audience is that if you're following a homesteading and homesteading, a homesteading and homeschooling podcast, you have either already made this choice or know that you're ready to start the journey. Chances are, though, the world thinks that you're crazy. What we want to... (laughs) 
what we want to do is going against the grain. And there's going to be naysayers. Some of them might even be you. I'm going to be referring to a couple of books in this episode. They both have bearings on how I came to some of these conclusions. And I would like to share that with you. The reason I even came up with the idea of talking about confidence in your passions is I was reading the book Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod with a book club that I attend. This book brings to light a lot of ideas about success and how to achieve it. I gained a lot from what he had to say because I've been trying to implement positive structure in my own life. In fact, instead of a New Year's resolution, I have been going with a New Year motto, and mine this year was positive personal growth, which really makes sense for this podcast. However, in the first part of the book, Hal talks about stats from the Social Security Administration that states if you follow 100 people for 40 years, when they reach retirement age, one will be wealthy, one will be financially secure, five will continue working because they have to. 36 will be dead and 54 will be broken dependent on others. What sad statistics. I believe at least some of this is caused from the celebration of mediocrity in our culture. From people settling for less and seeing everything as a struggle. When I step back from these numbers and remind you that it isn't all about money at the end of the day, I change the wording. That out of 100 people, one is doing what makes them happy four are pretty happy, five are still trying to be happy. Anyways, you see where I'm going with this. And I'm not saying there isn't merit in being financially stable, but there's merit in being happy with your place in life and often has to do with whether or not you're excited to take on each day. I mean, do you have a life's purpose? So many are afraid to pursue what makes them excited or what they possibly view in their life's purpose because of what outside influences say. I know that this has affected me more than once. Someone asking why I would rather put all the work into growing my family's food rather than buying it from the store. I have been told that what I put so much effort into is a waste of time. I have been asked if I'm doing right by my children by homeschooling. I've been asked if I even know what I'm doing when it comes to teaching them. These comments and questions can really make a person second guess themselves and put a negative light on something that they feel so positively about. seem to be having a little bit of a frog in my throat today. Really what comes down, what this comes down to is being okay with exercising your rights to personal freedoms. I believe researching, I began researching this idea to talk about, and yes, I can just say do it, but obviously that's not very constructive, nor does it make for a very interesting podcast episode. That's when it hit me. I already have a book that perfectly lays out a roadmap to feel confident in embracing your passions. To be honest, this book has helped me in a few different aspects of my life. It's called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And when I pulled it off to the shelf to make some notes, I actually had to laugh to myself when I saw written across the top, a practical guide to personal freedom. What are the chances? Anyways, I'm going to discuss this book and the four agreements that he outlines in how to embrace this practice as a homesteader and homeschooler. I will do my best to state which ideas are mine versus 
those I gained from his text. However, either way, I strongly suggest that you read this book for so many of the pre-programmed insecurities that we have in life. Don Miguel Ruiz begins his writing by discussing the idea that we are all taught certain agreements known as society's rules. Now, I believe that many of these agreements are positive, as in the rules like we don't hurt other people. And some are basic, like we all agree that the sky is blue and the grass is green. These rules help with order. But some of them have been programmed to believe that... Some of them that we have been programmed to believe are detrimental to ourselves. We are trained to believe that we are not worthy, and this can carry over to so many aspects of our lives. The first agreement discussed is to be impeccable in your word. There are two parts to consider with this agreement. Speak positivity into what you want. Speak it to yourself and speak it to others. You want to homeschool your kids? Tell yourself that you can't. This is often referred to as positive affirmations. You know, that suggestion that you should put a sticky note on your mirror that you read every day as you're brushing your teeth to remind you that you are capable of homeschooling your kids. The The author refers to this as seeds of love, which I find very fitting when speaking to homesteaders. What we end up doing is listening to other people in our lives or ourselves when they say you can't do something. The more someone tells you that you can't succeed, the more you will believe that. But they are speaking against themselves, not you. Maybe they don't believe that they would know how to homeschool. So question your abilities. Remember, words are powerful. Make sure that you're planting positivity. The book says that the word impeccable means not to sin. So when considering the agreement of being impeccable in your word, it means not to sin against yourself. That applies to when you're speaking about yourself or speaking about someone else. We're all taught from a young age that it's okay to speak poorly. Often this is in the form of gossip. So remember, what you believe in yourself is directly proportionate to what you're capable of. The second agreement is to not take anything personally. Don't let your personal importance be reflective on someone else's opinion of you. When I was told that the things I was doing to benefit the health of my family was viewed as a waste of time by someone, I originally took that personally. Really though, someone else's opinions have nothing to do with me. Of course, compliments feel good, but be positive for yourself. If you do, you will feel and see positivity all around you. I read a statement in this chapter that essentially said, If you know it's a good idea, it doesn't matter what others think. I remind myself of this often when I think about the reasons I homestead. The food, lessons, and hard work my family receives is what I know is best. I know this because of the research I have done, the experiences I've had in my life, and the positivity that I see in my family. My kids are happy and educated. My husband's medical labs are also proof that what we're doing is right for us. So I reiterate, If I know that it's a good idea, it doesn't matter what others think. Don't let yourself suffer over someone else, and you won't second-guess yourself. The third agreement is don't make assumptions. With this one, I solidly say, do your research. Research about your passion. Don't jump into anything without your facts. And as the book says... 
dream with a basis of reality. When you know that you have all the facts, you have nothing to question. This is probably one of the only places that I believe that someone else's opinion matters, and that is your spouse's. Make sure that they aren't making assumptions about your dreams or your shared dreams and stand together strong. Another piece that ties in with research is have a plan. You don't want to be flapping in the wind when you finally take your leap. This will give you the confidence you need. And even though I just said not to care what others think, if some of your naysayers are people that you consider to be part of your support system, your executed plan will give them confidence in your passions as well. The fourth and last agreement is always do your best. Now, I'm not referring to like when your older kid scribbles outside the lines and then bats their eyes at you and sweetly says, but I did my best. Because honestly, I think that you should refer back to the celebration of mediocrity. Now, I do want to clarify that I'm not suggesting you scold your child for coloring outside the lines. This is more when you know they are capable of accomplishing more than they are exhibiting and simply don't feel like it. Anyways, I digress. This agreement states your best will change over time. You should focus your energy on your best. Don't deplete yourself and don't judge yourself. So at first I was having a hard time picturing completely what this meant until I read the following passage. Go ahead and get the book out. There was a man who wanted to transcend his suffering, so he went to a Buddhist temple to find a master to help him. He went to the master and asked, Master, if I meditate for four hours a day, how long will it take me to transcend? The master looked at him and said, If you meditate for four hours a day, perhaps you will transcend in ten years. Thinking he could do better, the man then said, Oh, master, what if I meditated for eight hours a day? How long will it take me to transcend? The master looked at him and said, If you meditate for eight hours a day, perhaps you will transcend in 20 years. But why will it take me longer if I meditate more? The man asked. The master replied, You are not here to sacrifice your joy or your life. You are here to live, to be happy and to love. If you can do your best in two hours of meditation, but you spend eight hours instead, you will only grow tired, miss the point, and you won't enjoy your life. Do your best, and perhaps you will learn that no matter how long you meditate, you can live, love, and be happy. So I really saw what the author was trying to say when I read this next part. If you only work for money, you will never find joy in your work. So... The guy in this book was talking about if I only meditate to transcend, he'll probably never transcend. I felt this in my soul. When I graduated from college, I would have worked for free to be able to continue doing what I had found to love so much. When I thought about it, it was physically euphoric. I knew that I had really found my passion and I wasn't afraid to live. When the author goes on to talk about inactivity, which is another statement of this mediocrity that continues to play a role in this discussion. I really see that you can have amazing ideas, but if you're inactive, they make no difference. You need to honor the person that you are and act on that.
There was a reoccurring statement in the book that I question sharing with you. It says, transform hell into heaven. But it is so true. Why wouldn't you follow your passions if you were unhappy with where you're at? Consider thinking back to the person or people who were questioning you. One of the parting statements in this chapter says, do not give your judge the satisfaction of turning you into a victim. And that spoke so strongly to me. I have victimized myself so many times by questioning choices that I knew were the right ones. I chuckle again as I read the final chapter of this book, Path to Freedom. I have my own opinions about our freedoms within our government, but when I refer to personal freedom, ask yourself if you're really free. Not from the government, not from your finances. Are you personally free? Free from people's opinions and free from your own self-doubt. So, to reiterate the things that will help you in being confident in your passions, remember that you don't want to look back with regret and not choosing to be happy. Speak positivity to yourself. Don't let someone else... Don't let what someone else has to say hold you back. Do your research and have a plan. And... Do your best. What I have given you today has been really empowering concepts for me. So I'll link both the Miracle Morning and the Four Agreements in the show notes. They're both easy reads and will give you a whole new perspective in life. Remember that giving yourself personal freedom can empower you to seek your passions. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at Homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing.